Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello, and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. Like always, we have with us today our friend and colleague, Dwight Brown from Salary.com. Hey, Dwight, how are you? Hey, David, I'm good. How are you doing? Good. I'm great. Actually, we just got back from the HR Technology Conference. We're going to have a lot to talk about there. But first, what we always try and do is find the best and the brightest inside and outside the world of human resources to talk to you about what's happening in the world of HR data, analytics, process, and technology. Today, we have with us Amy Mosher, the Chief People Officer from iSolved, an AKKR company. Amy, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, David. It is our pleasure. Amy, why don't you tell us a little bit about Amy? Well, I've been with ISOL for a few years, really just as a generalist in the in the HR leadership spectrum in a lot of different industries over the course of many years. And I like to grow people, you know, as That's a awesome. as a life goal, not just a career. And that really translates well into the chief people officer role Absolutely. overall. And I really feel like I'm fulfilling that right now in my in my current career choice. That's awesome. It's a great thing to aspire to, especially as a CPO, because people look at look to you as being a an example, a shining star. So that's great. Well, it's my pleasure to do that every day. So So Amy, now we have to find one thing that no one knows about Amy. Wow. Really interestingly, there's a lot of interesting things I don't think a lot of people know about me. I'm an extrovert that likes to be alone. And wow. it's an interesting uh, <laughs> Dichotomy. You don't hear that very often. <laughs> no, you don't hear that. It sounds like a diagnosis, actually. A lot, but, yeah, yeah know, exactly. For the purpose of this podcast, it is very relevant because there's a lot of things okay. that a lot of people don't know about me. But I, um, a couple <laughs> interesting things. I was a future farmer of America. I served many roles with future farmers of America. And one of those is as a dairy cow judge. So if you do wow, know anything about really? me, I'm, I'm a city girl, right? I'm not a country girl. And that's, a, I know, an inordinate amount of weird information about dairy cows is what that translates okay, to. So hold on, hold on. <laughs> what cities are you living in that have a ton of cows? That's what I want to know. Is this Iowa? Are we talking about no, Iowa? It, it India. <laughs> right. it be India. That's right. <laughs> I, I grew up in rural northern Nevada. And okay. that's just what hmm. you do out there in a cattle town and... I, See, I, I wouldn't have pegged books. Nevada as a as a right? state that has a ton of cows. I thought that would be more, well, I guess steer and buffalo and I wouldn't have pegged Nevada as that. It's very, it's a small area of, of yeah, in, you okay. know, the desert that allows for this. But desert cows. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So, Amy, today our topic is going to be an interesting one as well and it's one that's very near and dear to the HR data labs hearts and souls and it is around analytics but it's not just around analytics it's why is 2023 the year HR finally gets people analytics right 
So why don't we start off at square one? Let's talk about 2023 and why will HR finally get people analytics right? And what is actually wrong with people analytics right now and today? So there's a lot about people analytics that that we're getting right. And and for lack of a better term, right-er than we have in our past as HR professionals, especially. And there's a lot of opportunity for us going forward as well. But the reason why we're finally getting it right, I think, is because there's finally a link to organizational readiness and or the organization's ability to grow and change and move to the people effort more than there ever has been in the past. And I think that has a lot to do with the last couple of years and the challenges that we face from a people perspective and socioeconomic right. perspective. So it's brought to light a lot of opportunity there, a lot of linkage that may not have been prioritized in the past. There's also a lot of opportunity for us to, to have better data than we have in the past, mm-hmm. right? We have access to right. so much more data. There's so many more opportunities for us to gather the information. And there has been over the last couple of years. So we now not only have benchmark data, but we have data to right. benchmark against our benchmark data. Right. So suddenly it's right. analysis that can really mean something to us. And I think that's why the time is now for us to get this right. Now, you mentioned that people have had to step up a lot because things have just come fast and furious at them. Do you think that we've stepped up in terms of our acumen and our ability to be analysts, not just HR people? Yes, I feel like the basis for HR knowledge now includes an analytics understanding, if not a background. I feel like um, at least a background around HR technology and data as an HR professional. In the past, HR was more about soft skills. It was about absolutely, you know, your your communication skills, your ability to to listen well, your ability to influence change across the business, and to help people to coach sure. individuals around those kinds of areas. Well, now it's about it's a core function of of your organization, and so just like you are tracking revenue and bookings and profitability. You should be tracking turnover, retention, metrics, onboarding, efficiencies. And those are just as important as those other metrics now. And so understanding how important those are, how to collect that data in a reasonable way is so much more important than it used to be. So your HR person needs to not just be a, a quote, generalist from the soft skills perspective, but also needs to understand how they can collect data efficiently and effectively and how they can monitor that information and translate that information into real metrics that can help to move the company forward. So it does take a more technological maybe approach. So you're also saying that they have to have a consultative approach as well to be able to connect what's happening in the numbers and the analytics to the business leader and be able to not just listen to the leader, but also provide them with advice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, that consultative approach has probably always been there for most generalists, at least the executive level from within human resources, but it hasn't necessarily been applied to those business metrics. So all of the skill set may be there. The relationships may also be there. There mm-hmm. need to change and kind of pivot toward more of that, the data analytics piece as really a backup tool more than anything to you know reinforcing initiatives that will impact the business as a whole. Absolutely. So HR has become better consumers, better strategic consultants. And now, hopefully, they'll be asked better questions, too, by their leaders, because the leaders will trust that not only do they understand the business better, but they'll also understand the needs that the business has and that leader has. 
Agreed. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by Salary.com. Now, back to the show. So, Amy, you're in a, and I solved, is in a unique position of, of being a company that not only provides people analytics inside of its platform, but because you're the head of HR yourself. So, not to promote anything or any technology, but let's say somebody does get investment for people analytics. What do they need to look for in the right vendor for them? Yeah, there's a few things that I recommend that you look for. First of all, it's time to value. You know, how quickly can you stand up a people analytics solution and really show the value of it? Another unique area that's getting additional you know, prominence right now is DEI and B. You know, how can you support those right. kinds uh, of initiatives sure. through data? Um, yep. How predictive is it? What kind of insights and suggestions are going to be able to provide via the technology? And then is it intelligently connected? Really, really important. How do you ensure that you've got your data sorted and accessible and that you don't have any data silos? And then training and, and customization, I think is really important. So is, is the tool going to work for you, for your business? And can you configure it to allow you to, to do that? I think all of those are really okay. important. So those are phenomenal factors, and I want to kind of take a few of them on, especially something like predictive. We've worked in the HR analytics space for a long time, and I've personally been doing it since 2014. So in those eight years, I've very rarely seen organizations that have enabled their technology to tell them what to do. I, I'm not saying you're saying they're being prescriptive, but the predictive basically are they're areas of, of insight that the technology finds that the end user needs to take some action on or should take some action on. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about predictive a little bit in that context. Sure. I, I feel like when you are utilizing a, a technology, you should expect that it will have some level of best practice that allows you to not have to reinvent the wheel on some of this data collection. And, and that is what produces the predictive piece of this. And you don't have to use it, right? But knowing that there are many organizations that this technology provider has coordinated with to come up with the, the best practice that they've implemented for the prediction of these mm -hmm. analytics, I think gives you another tool with which to benchmark your own predictions and your own output. I think, you know, why not allow best practice technology to lead your best practice as an organization and take advantage of that. Oh, okay. So you're basically saying just, just allow it to give you some insights. You don't have to use those insights, but just allow it to be another input into the equation that you're, you're trying to drive for how you do business. Agreed, David. And I, I feel like a lot of the time when you look at this, there, there are many insights that you'll find in, in a truly predictive you know, people analytics platform that will allow you to, that will allow you to think in a different way. Maybe that you haven't thought about benchmarking your data in that way before. And it can really kind of open up those creative barriers that I think a lot of HR generalists may have, especially if they haven't dipped their toe too far into the analytics side yet, or they don't come with that techn technological background. It can be really, sure. really powerful. Sure. Yeah, I get that. And that's always a challenge, especially in the people Absolutely. analytics space and in the HR space is just people with the acumen to understand what they have and realize the potential of it and and the curiosity to continue to learn more. Uh, you know. If there's one thing that I've learned in HR, it's that 
you know, curiosity and lifetime learning are essential because we deal, we don't just deal with change. We're, we're facilitating and implementing change all day, every day. And and to go back to your earlier example, if, if anybody who's listening doesn't remember what we had been going through over the last three years, (laughs) we have been the center of change, (laughs) whether it's remote work, whether it's doing any of the reporting necessary, or just being the absolute glue that holds an organization together, especially during a global pandemic. Agreed. And I feel like that's an opportunity for us. I've certainly turned it into a more of an opportunity for me and, and for the functions that I support and and, and my team and, and their ability to come to the table on many strategic initiatives that they may not have been considered for in the past, really as a core, you know, center of that wheel of the, of the organization. And I hope that all, you know, a lot of other organizations are doing the same. Sure. The other piece I wanted to touch on that you mentioned that I don't know if you actually mentioned it out loud, but I know you were going to, which is access. He read your Getting, mind. Yeah, I was reading your mind. Karnak over here. <laughs> access and giving people access. We used to call it democratizing data, giving more than just the HR function, the ability to utilize analytics, because it's not just a platform for generalists. It's not just a platform for practitioners. It's a platform for managers and leaders and giving them access to not just insights that are focused on HR, but those are really business insights actually in any ways, but also being able to give them those insights from the lens of that generalist, again, to give context and better consulting. Have you seen anything there that it would enable people who are listening to say, huh, I guess I can do that. You know, why don't I give this out? Or, and what barriers would there be to giving it out to, 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 to managers and leaders? Yeah. I honestly feel like the only way you can be effective and the whole reason for collection of data and analyzing this data internally within HR is to provide the same level of, of access to your leaders. Because if, if HR is anything, it's an enablement center, right? You're enabling right. and coaching your leaders to be better at their jobs, to develop their people more effectively, to continue to manage the business more efficiently and effectively. And the only really, the way that you can do that is by sharing information. So this is one very powerful way for us to provide real, live, factual data to in support of these functions that and in areas where a lot of times HR again as a soft skill area previously right. may not have been right. expected to provide that level of of quantitative information and it can really be a change factor from a leadership perspective right when you when you put oh, the facts absolutely. behind some of the initiatives that you're working through and really show that quantitative dynamic change that you're impacting and and that over time it can be a real win for for human resources and the things that we're trying to do across the business it shows the why so much more clearly absolutely. to your latter point you know around you know how do you trust that that they're going to be able to maturely have access to this information and, you know, be able to use it intelligently. It really is about training, really important for them to understand how to use the data, how not to use the data, how they may want to be transparent with their teams about the data in areas where they may not be ready yet and why. I think that's really, really important for your leadership before they get access to this data to understand, you know, what the pitfalls could be to being overly transparent to not being transparent at all. You know, a lot of opportunity there for coaching, but all of that I think of as an opportunity just to, to get more effective leadership kind of coaching opportunities. And this is something that I know that I, myself and my team uses a lot to gain credibility with the leadership across our business. You know, one thing that you that you hit on there, 
I've been in the analytics space for a long time, and there's a culture shift that I hear you advocating for that time and time again, you hear over and over somebody who owns the data say, I won't give you access to this because you wouldn't know what to do with it. And, you know, they build their little fiefdom. They, you know, they close the, they dig the moat, close the gates and uh, say, you're not going to get the data. Right. And what I, what I like about what you said is you're advocating an approach that, yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be a real factor that people won't know what to do with the data, but does that mean you don't share it? No, you find a path to share it. You find a path to create that transparency the training that you talked about. So HR doesn't become the sole owner of the data and the the business benefits from from the sharing. Ultimately, at the end of the day, everybody's rowing in the same direction. I couldn't agree more, Dwight. And it really is about elevating self-service to not just providing the data, but to helping people how to understand why, right? And it's that, yep. that whole concept of, you know, information is not, power, right. For someone to hoard. Right. It really is power <laughs> yeah. for the entire organization yeah. to take advantage of. So I'm sorry, yeah. are, are you saying HR would hoard data and not provide it? <laughs> <laughs> never. Yeah, that's I never happened. Never that, I've David. never heard of that before. That's radical. I've never heard that. That's the first time I've ever heard that on the HR data labs podcast. <laughs> 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 I want to touch on another thing that, that I think you were implying there but I think is very important to talk about as well, which is there are new technologies, especially at HR Tech, we saw many new technologies will now enable a conversation with data, a conversation with an AI that uses structured and unstructured data to answer questions about HR that enables HR to get out of the administrivia and to enable more mature conversations for not just managers and leaders, but also for employees as well, who ask questions of the data, and obviously there's security, and obviously there's you know permissions, but they're allowed to self-service, ask good questions, and get five to six seconds later, get answers. Not minutes, it's, not days, it's seconds. It's pretty incredible. It's a game changer, to be perfectly honest, David, from an HR generalist perspective and a support team perspective. We utilize a conversational virtual assistant. It is a game changer. You suddenly, um, as an HR representative, are not spending your time answering the same questions all day, every day. How do I access my benefits? What's my, how do I change my direct deposit? You know, what, what, how do I get a verification of employment? You know, all of those things that you, you know, as you scale, it just becomes immense, you know, the amount of time that your team is taking to do that. And you can serve a lot with self-service in your HCM, but you can do so much more. And it's so it's so much more available and accessible across multiple streams, right? Especially in retail, are, yeah. where you have access to that kind of real-time, even chat data, right? Via chat yeah. a lot of the time. And uh, I can tell you that it has significantly improved response time, efficiency, and, and the team's efficiency as well, especially around sure. our operational, HR operational team. And, you know, why didn't we think of this sooner from a technology <laughs> Well, well, I can right. I can definitely answer that question. And the answer comes back to we don't think in those ways. And I'll tell you why. If you think about some of the chatbots we have today on the consumer side, they answer stupid questions because we can't form better questions to ask. 
we can't ask questions because our brain's not going in that direction more than what's the forecast for today or who wrote video killed the radio star and when was it published? Because I can't use those words because they're listening right now. But if you talk to the A word or the S word or the G word, they answer questions that are very simple in nature and non-structured, right? They have to be very straightforward because if you start doing, you, you, you can't nest questions, right? You can't say, okay, well, if it was published in 1975, what were the other songs on that album? Because it was, well, what album are you talking about? So we have to do a good job of training employees to now with this new conversational AI, hopefully it does it already for us, to be able to get to that next layer, to understand the context and now then be able to dig in a little further, to train our brains to be able to ask better questions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just not there yet. I love it, David. This is amazing. I, one of the ways we're getting around that right now, because we're running into the exact issue that you're talking about is the nesting of questions, right? And and once you introduce this type of technology, you know, how do you continue to advance it? And that's mm -hmm. one of the ways that obviously you, you can and you should, and that's consumer led, right? They're like, well, right. you know, how do I, how do I, you know, how do I request time off if I have, right. you know, the situation that I've already asked the system about, right? right. It, it's right. really... It's a really interesting issue. The way that we're getting around it right now is by generalizing even further to say, well, if you, you know, if you have a question about this policy, please access it here, right? That's the answer. But mm -hmm. there, it, it needs to continue to evolve in that way. And right. I can see that being an right. incredible asset to, in this very particular situation to companies and HR teams around the world. And that's the exact, you just brought up the greatest use, use case, my PTO policy, right? I don't know it. Do I, do you know our PTO policy? Nope. Not clue. <laughs> so how many days do I have left in this year? We're talking about September. We're right now we're recording this September 21st. It's we're almost at the holidays, right? How much time do I have left? Are there blackout dates where I cannot take that time? Well, mm -hmm. if you ask the question of, you know, how many days do I currently have off? That's one layer of question. It should naturally go then, okay, well, and here are days when you're not allowed to take days off between now and the end of the year when your accrual starts over again, right? And then the other stupid question that everybody asks, do my days roll over or am I compensated for those days? Well, if you have an unlimited PTO policy, the answer is no, but the person may not know that. So all of these are really important decisions that that employee needs to make, but they can't make them because they don't know how to form that question the right mm -hmm. way. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a yeah. challenge. It is definitely a challenge. And, and hopefully we've helped iSolved figure out a, a new product offering that Always. will make you guys a Always. lot of money. <laughs> Always my, my PTO policy is, product. <laughs> Mine is especially unique because I, because I get to be a part of those discussions. So I oh, always, that's cool. I feel oh, quite sure. heard. <laughs> there you go. I feel like my challenges are accepted and, uh, and they're very solution oriented. So I'll be sure to point them to this podcast. That's a great idea. That's what we like to hear. So that actually transitions nicely into our last question, which is, so what is your personal approach to people analytics that I solved? How do you actually use this in your daily work? Well, I, I am lucky that I get access to all this technology right when it's released within the platform. And I always like to say, and my, my marketing team will laugh because I say it so often, but it, it, we drink our own champagne, 
here at iSalt. And so um, I feel like what works best for HR professionals is what adds value. And so I'm, of course, a big HR data nerd myself. So I would tout the availability and importance of data as being key to human resources regardless. But my personal approach here at ISOL really has been to use an evidence-based HR approach. And I think that most effectively impacts our ability to just grow as a business as quickly as we want to. And it also improves that employee experience, which is really the most impactful way that you can attract and retain your talent, bar none. And it really also makes us a very change-ready and high-trust environment because we're providing so much transparency around our data that employees trust us. They believe us. You know, it's backed by the facts. And it's hard to, you know, to not follow someone who's giving you quantitative information. Oh, yeah. I know this might sound stupid, but as long as you have the facts and the facts are things that people believe in, then there should be no argument there, right? I, I would hope not. I would hope not. There's always an opinion, David. There's yeah. always an opinion. Oh, which yeah. Is, oh, yeah. Which Plenty is, of those. Look, and and more power to everybody, right? Like, way yeah. to have some right. opinions. Love it. Cre- right, creative yeah. thinking, fantastic. But, you know, just the use of data for for change management, I think is so incredibly important to us here. And, and we have really been, in, it, we've grown 40% last 18 months from a headcount perspective. Crazy. Like there's no, no question that this hasn't been one of the catalysts that, that has allowed us to do that so effectively. But, and you also have to worry about margin, right? So you're growing yes. at a very high clip and still being able to focus on the numbers. And that's what HR being a business partner and using metrics to drive the business enables you to do, right? Agreed. I couldn't agree more. And we've actually gained a significant amount of agility as a yep. result, as mm-hmm. a business. We can say very quickly, add here, don't add there, move right. these here. And if, and we've also really strengthened our relationship with accounting and FP&A and, and those teams and our ability to support those teams with real-time data as well. Well, you're talking their language. You're now providing yes. them with numbers and facts yeah. that they said, who are you and what have you done with my HR? Yeah, it's amazing. Right. It's it that is all, it, it's incredible because you know it, you get these these silos. I think these implied yeah. silos between finance and accounting and, and and HR. When I have kind of always as again a self proclaimed data nerd, I've I've always felt that connection to that yeah. to that function, and I think that's part of what's made me successful in the past. Really, with these growing businesses, is that is a lot of that connection and the sharing of information and. You know, not being afraid of the of the data, of the spreadsheets and the, you know, the processes and, yeah. and all of that. I think it's a partnership for sure. And that's why a lot of the people in the audience who are HR practitioners, they listen because they want to hear stories about practitioners who've been able to adopt analytics and use a data framework that they can then use. So before we before we conclude, I wanted to ask or if you had some advice for people who had either been afraid of adopting analytics and the evidence-based approach you were talking about, would you give them any advice and any examples of how they can get started? Collect the data. I think understand how you can get clean data. That's incredibly important. Oh, yeah. That's always the first step is making sure that yeah, the data that you're collecting one. is clean. Incredibly important. In fact, don't even do anything else if you can't make that happen first. Uh, you know, amen to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you don't have reliable data, you're never going to get anywhere. So do that first. I think the other piece is, is take it on just like you would any other business partnership initiative. Think about training, think about coaching, think about alignment with business objectives and how you can feed into that. Start small and clean and then build up from there. 
those would be my my uh, my core recommendations. And it doesn't have to be a lot of data or a large data set or a lot of different types of data to be impactful. It can be one or two or three things that you do really, really well that are the core of your organization. And those can be enough. Yeah, that's great. Because people tend to try and start with everything. They try and get the whole kit and caboodle in one. And you're absolutely right. Start small, get some wins, do the training and make sure you understand how to train people about them. And then as you build that core of people saying, hey, that's great. Hey, can you give me more of this? It builds that demand. So that's a really great set of examples and advice. Thank you, Amy. Amy, thank you very much for joining. We've talked a lot about people analytics and how 2023 will be the year for people analytics and why. We've talked about some examples of how people analytics has kind of grown and what has been wrong with it today. We've also talked about, you know, the tools that are available and some things to pay attention to. But we've also talked about your approach. Is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we close? The only other thing that I would say that I would want to cover really is that you do not have to be a data scientist and you actually don't have to be a spreadsheet guru to be an HR professional who values and is able to utilize data effectively. It's okay. You can be a soft skills master and still have an appreciation for the data and how it can help to impact your business in a positive way. So don't be afraid of it. That's beautiful. Because we all know if you don't have context for the data, you have nothing. Mic drop. (laughs) There you go. Walk away. Amy, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Dwight, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for being with us, Amy. Thank you, Dwight. And thank you all for listening. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.